This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. And I want us to get right in to what God is saying, and then we're going to just start uh, breaking it down. Get, get into what God is saying because God has His part, we have our part, and God wants His Word to be real. Uh, in our life. And so we want to we want to learn, okay, how can I apply God's word to the point that he shows up? Whatever he's saying, I want it in my life. I want us to walk in it. You know, I'm not responsible for everybody, but I am responsible to the people that I'm called to, um, that we're not going to play church as usual. God wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to be the best us that we can be. And so um, a couple of months ago, usually October, November, the Lord starts talking to me about what's coming up um, in the next seasons, the next years. And this is this is where we're going to start. And this is what he said. He says there will be momentum and extraordinary manifestations of God's goodness that will take place. It will take place in families, in finances, in bodies and industries. We will see the fulfillment of promises made in years past. Restoration will continue to carry us into God's presence and promises like never before. There will be heaps and waves of His glory and power. There will be recreative miracles that are carried in these waves. So keep moving, keep declaring, keep receiving, keep believing, because your finest hour as the church has just begun. You've seen things in the past that were miraculous, but that's just the beginning. So rejoice because your redemption draws near. Completion to season, completion of projects, completion in loose areas will take place. My hand has been moving things, adjusting things, even when it doesn't look like it. Greater glory is coming. Greater manifestations are coming. So look, expect, and anticipate like they are right around the corner. Now, I think that's interesting. So when, when, when these things right here come to me... Um, a lot of times it's in a time of prayer. There's times that I'm driving down the road and I'm, uh, there's times I'm not even asking him about what's coming up in the next year. You know, I know during this time I'm always having ear to hear and it'll just come up from my spirit, man. And that I know it didn't come from my head. I know that it, um, I just didn't conjure it up. And so God works with our expectation. So it's very important that we expect what God says to come to pass. Now, when I was seeing these waves, when he says recreative miracles are going to be coming in these waves, I I, I saw wheelchairs, I saw uh, crutches, I saw walkers, I saw different types of waves coming in. I mean, and we've seen some miraculous things. You know, I've I've seen uh, babies come back to life, steers come back to life, horses come back to life. I've seen bones be reattached and femurs and arms. and, And I could sit up here for hours and tell stories of just the power of God. And God is saying, you haven't seen anything yet. What we're fixing to see as the body of Christ is going to be phenomenal, but it's going to be... Um, not just to the church goer, not to just the religious. These are going to be another thing the Lord says is I want you to make warriors and winners. Warriors and winners. As children of God, we're supposed to be warriors and winners in, in life, period. Whatever sphere of influence we're called to, we're supposed to overcome. We're supposed to win. We're supposed to be warriors. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. A good soldier isn't looking to back down. A good soldier isn't thinking about losing. A good soldier isn't thinking about, well, I will do this if, if I feel like it. No, a good soldier is, I'm, I'm here to report for duty. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever you tell me to go, that's where I'm going to go. Whatever you have called and assigned me to do, that is what I'm going to do, regardless of what it looks like in the natural now listen to what Paul, he is writing to his spiritual son Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 18. In the New King James Version, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. In the Amplified, it says that inspired and aided by them, you may wage the good warfare. So God gives us his word. And he wants us to take his word and apply it to our life so we win the battle. It's called the good fight of faith. Why is it a good fight? Because we win. 
If we keep being doers of God's Word, we win. If we keep positioning ourselves and we do everything we know to do in the natural, God puts His super upon our natural and we win. We are supposed to win. It's time for children of God not to think like, okay, well, maybe God will and maybe God won't. And, and I'm just going to sit over here, you know, and kind of be timid and bashful. And no, no, there is a spiritual boldness that is rising up in God's kids for us to possess the land, for us to take new territory, but it's going to take a supernatural boldness. You don't see results from the Word of God by being timid. You don't walk in victory by being timid. You don't walk in what we read about in the Bible, playing church. It takes boldness, say boldness. And when you look at the word boldness in the Hebrew, boldness in the Greek, and all that it means, confidence, it means outspokenness, it means brashness, it means authoritative. The, the list could go on and on, but boldness, say it, boldness. Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked, they are afraid and they flee even when there's no reason to flee. But the righteous, say the righteous, are as bold as the lion. God wants us to pray with a boldness, like a boldness of a lion. Have you ever, I mean, most of us haven't seen a lion in the wilderness, but even, even at a zoo or something like that, you look at a lion, you see purity in their eye. You see no intimidation in their eye. I mean, when you study about lions or you, you know, look at information on lions, the, the elephant might be a lot bigger and could take the lion out in one swap. But because of the mentality of the lion, the lion looks at the elephant and he thinks lunch. <laughs> but the elephant looks at the lion and thinks, I'm fixing to be lunch. The lion isn't as big as the draft. But the lion has a different mentality. He has a different attitude. And as children of God, he says the righteous who are children of God are as bold as a lion. We should compete with boldness. We should invest with boldness. We should do our job with boldness. It is important that I pray with boldness, study with boldness. We approach life with boldness. Say it, boldness. The wicked flee when nobody pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, this is a boldness that comes from the inside out. It isn't a boldness that where we're trusting in our flesh and we're, we're relying on our own wisdom and our own knowledge. It is a boldness that comes from our spirit, man, and it is being released even as we're talking right now in the body of Christ. Say it, boldness. Go with me to John chapter 3. I'm just going to read this. John chapter 3. Verses 14 through 18. Most of you have um, read these before. You've heard them before. But I just want us to see in God's Word who we are. John chapter 3, verse 14. And, Moses, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So we've got to, when we read God's word, we've got to pause for a moment and ask, okay, is this me? Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So I've got to ask, have I believed in Jesus? And most of us in here, we've believed in Jesus. We've chosen to make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And he says, because of that, we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. Now, eternal life isn't just when we get to heaven. Eternal life begins to take place the moment we make Jesus our Lord and Savior. This word life is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, and it means the God kind of life, a quality of life that is infused into you and I. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. There's four different words for life as you read the Bible, but he's not talking about the air we breathe. He's talking about the life of God, living in God's will on earth just like it is in heaven. But it takes boldness to operate in a kingdom that you can't see. It takes boldness to bring it from the unseen into the seen. He says, but whoever believes in Jesus, they have the God kind of life on the inside of them. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, is that me? Is that you? 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he's saying, okay, God did not send Jesus to condemn you and I. Condemn means to shut down, kind of like a, a condemned building or something, you know, it's shut down, don't enter. He didn't come to shut you and I down. Condemn also means guilty. Condemned also means sentence, that because of you, you've been judged guilty, you're sentenced. You have a sentence. You have a punishment that you have to pay. He says, Jesus did not come to condemn us, to call us guilty. So we'll be punished because with punishment comes fear, comes torment. He says, and so this is something that we've got to realize, that if God wanted to condemn you and I, you know what he would have had to have done? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Because of the sin of Adam, we were separated from God. So Adam was made in the image and likeness of God, and he was made, he was in right standing with God. But whenever he sinned, he went from right standing to wrong standing. So then the Bible says, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 5, talks about all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin means miss the mark. It says, okay, because of that one sin, we're separated from God. So we were wrong standing. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And when we accept Jesus, now we're made right standing. So we were condemned. We were destined for hell. We were um, headed for punishment. We were headed for guilt. We were guilty. We were separated but through Jesus, we're no longer guilty. Say it, I'm no longer guilty. I'm no longer condemned. I'm no longer shut down. I am now a child of God. I have the life of God, and I'm not shut down, but I'm set free to be everything I'm called and created to be. So most of the time in churches, people have taught us that we are saved, and that is a very important thing. We are saved. We're saved from hell, but we're more than saved from hell. They have taught us that we are forgiven, but we're more than forgiven. They have taught us, which the Bible teaches us, we were old sinners, but now we've been saved by grace, so we're no longer old sinners. Now, you might have an action of sin, but your nature is no longer a sin nature. Your nature is now the nature of God, and you no longer have the the punishment of a sinner, somebody separated from God, you have the life of God, and now you are right with God. Say, I'm right with God. So Jesus did not come to condemn us, to shut us down, to make us guilty, to make us ashamed, to make us live a punished life. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came and he made us right. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even though what righteousness means is we're made right. We are in right standing with God. That we have the ability to approach God without a sense of fear, without a sense of guilt, without a sense of shame, without a sense of condemnation. That we have the right to come into the presence of God and to know that we belong there. God wants you and I to come into his presence with boldness and not timidity. He did not come to condemn me. He did not come so I would stay focused on my sin. So I would stay focused on my shortcoming. So I would stay focused on all the things that I've done wrong. This is not a news flash. We can all agree on this. We know we all are a work in progress. Correct? <laughs> We're all a work in progress. Okay, that is not a news flash. But you know what happens when a person continually talks about how unworthy they are? When they continually talk about, I'm just an old sinner, 
It robs them of their sense of righteousness where I belong in the presence of God. God wants me to win. God wants me to overcome. God wants me to walk in divine health and healing. If I'm always looking at my sin, I cannot be bold and look at my sin at the same time. We know that we don't have a right to come to God in ourselves, But in Jesus Christ, we have every right, the same right as Jesus himself did to come to our heavenly Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Very familiar scripture. Most of you know this. Verse 21 in the Amplified, it says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so, so picture this, Jesus, when he died upon the cross, he took all of the sin and the punishment and the guilt and the shame of mankind upon his body. He took our sin. Say it, he took my sin. He was made sin with our sin. Then keep reading. So that in and through him, we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. Examples of the righteousness of God what we ought to be approved and acceptable in a right relationship with him by his goodness. So it says, okay, Jesus, who knew no sin, was made sin with our sin that we might be made right with his righteousness. We are made what we ought to be. I like that translation. What we ought to be is right. Because of his goodness, we are made examples of righteousness. But have I been living as an example of righteousness? Where can I look in the Bible as an example of righteousness? God gives us a clear description of righteousness in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we see Jesus pray, he prayed as a righteous man. When we see Jesus dealing with the devil, he dealt with the devil as a righteous man. When we saw Jesus speak to storms, he did it as a righteous man. When he opened the deaf ears, he did it as a righteous man. When he opened the blind eyes, he did it as a righteous man. And he said, I who knew no sin was made sin so that you might be made right with my righteousness. And then he goes on, he says, now the works that I did, you do the same works. But most of the time in churches and denominations and stuff, they teach us that Jesus did those things as the son of God. And he did not do it as the son of God. He did them as a man, just like you and I. And it says, when we accept Jesus, we're made right. And we have the right to live an overcoming life the same way Jesus did. But it takes the, the, the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, boldness comes from my understanding of righteousness. If I really don't believe that I'm righteous, I'm not going to be bold. If I really don't believe that I'm righteous, I'm not going to pray with boldness. I'm not going to think that I have a chance. I'm not going to think that I can win. I'm not going to think that things are going to work out for my good because I look at Jesus and I see him operating this way, but that's Jesus and I'm me and I know all of my shortcomings and Jesus didn't have any shortcomings. But see, when I called upon the name of Jesus... I was made right, not because of what I do in my flesh. I was made right because of what I believe. And when I believe a certain way, it's going to change my behavior. But I'm not going to continue to focus on my behavior. I'm going to focus on my belief. And eventually, if I believe that I'm righteous, I'm thinking I'm righteous, I'm talking I'm righteous, I'm looking at Jesus' shed blood that makes me right, I'm going to quit doing all the sinful behavior that I used to do because of my belief. My belief always drives my behavior. But I can't be necessarily Moved by my behavior, I have to be moved by my belief to change my behavior. Because my behavior will never change if I'm always trying to be right without first believing I'm right. When I believe I'm right, an outflow is going to be my behavior changes. He says, he who knew no sin was made sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Examples 
of his righteousness. Now, now think about that. Am I, let's, let's go into our own personal life. When I'm praying, am I really being an example of righteousness? How does a righteous person pray? How does a righteous person think? How does a, a righteous person believe? How does a righteous person live? Remember, we're not made righteous by our own behavior. We're made righteous by what we believe. By us believing in Jesus, we receive his righteousness. So have you believed in Jesus? Then you are the righteousness of God. You, please hear this. You will never be any more righteous than you are right now. Even when you go to heaven. That's hard for our minds to wrap around. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Our body is what goes into the ground. Our spirit and soul is what will live for eternity. Now, we'll be given a new body at the right time and everything, but eternally, we are just as right right now as we will when we stand in the presence of Almighty God. Because of Jesus. Say it, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. So the righteous are as timid as a kitty? That's not what it says. We're as bold as a lion. You know, I, I think Heather's little, she has this little white dog that weighs about six pounds. You know, it'll growl and stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're fixing to lick my foot or something, you know. And she acts like she's, she acts like she's real big, but she's just real little. And sometimes we can feel like we're real little on the outside. But when we realize, 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, you begin to get bigger on the inside when we realize that we have the life of God, when we realize we are made right because of Jesus, we begin to live bold. When all hell comes against you, you stand up against it with boldness and you resist it in the name of Jesus. When disease or lack or poverty or storms or whatever it is come against you, the righteous are as bold as a lion. They're not timid like a kitty. They're bold like a lion. And it takes a renewing of our mind to realize that God wants me to live bold. We don't get results from God's Word by being timid. I'm not telling you to be a fruit loop. I'm not telling you to go around and, and this, nobody can relate to you and you're rude and hard. And No, it, we can never separate the truth of God's Word from being led by His Spirit. You know, I, it was uh, Sunday night, Saturday, whatever night it was, a couple nights ago. I fly from Las Vegas to Denver. It's one o'clock in the morning whenever I get there. You know, I've been given out and given out, and I'm a little on edge anyway, you know, and I had to deal with drunk people all the way in the, you know, the plane behind me. And, and so I get off the plane, and, and so, you know, usually I'll go to this one bathroom when I land there, and I was like, no, nah, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go to that. When I went down, I, you know, rode the little moving sidewalk down there, and I go to the restroom down there. And when I'm in the restroom, I hear this, ah, you know, this, this well and just going on, ah, and it just wouldn't stop and everything. So I finished, washed my hands, everything, you know. And this went on for several minutes. And when I walk out, all these people are gathered around, and this lady, she's in her maybe early 20s or whatever from a different nationality and she's laid down and she's just non-responsive. I mean, no, nothing going on, no movement, no vitals. And, you know, she had her sister here and another friend there and had the mom here and the dad here. And, you know, the mom's up here, you know, just slapping her face. Oh, you know, and she's speaking in a different language and everything, you know. And so I'm listening on the inside because I don't, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. So I'm always wanting to be, because the only way we get results is by listening to the Holy Spirit. But I've been meditating on the boldness of God. I've been studying on the boldness of God. And this happened several minutes and the, you know, the ambulance and stuff isn't there yet and everything. And she just, I mean, unresponsive whatsoever. And so I go down and I grab a hold of her feet and I just start praying and I just start commanding her vital signs to come back to life in the name of Jesus. I command her brain to work in the name of Jesus and they can't understand anything I said but when I said in the name of Jesus she started coming back to life and her movement and everything started happening again and all four of them at the same time just turned and just look at me. 
about that time, here comes she started responding. She come back and everything and the ambulance stuff got there and I just went on my way. Why do I tell you that? Because you don't get results like that being timid. I wasn't a fruit loop. I wasn't a religious nut. At, but we get results when we're bold as a lion. This morning, the alarm goes off on the phone. The tornado, you know, rear, rear, and I'm thinking, devil, you are so rude. I have been exhausted. I'm trying to get some rest here. But one of the first time, as soon as that thing went off, the scripture in my heart, when Jesus and, and the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is sleeping and the disciples come and wake up Jesus, don't you care, don't you care, you know? And Jesus gets up and says, where's your faith? And I was the first thing I heard, where's your faith? It was right here. And I just started commanding that tornado to go around us and to, you dissipate and lift and speak into the high and low pressure. And sure enough, I mean, nothing happened in our place right across the road. There's tin, there's doors blown out. There's all kinds of stuff. Why, why? I could tell you story after story, tornadoes coming right at us and me speaking to them and the thing lifting or the thing dissipating or separating or just how, how does a person get that? That isn't just, but well, he's a preacher. I know a lot of preachers that don't get that result. Why? Because the righteous are as bold as a lion. When we know our inheritance as children of God, then we begin to think different we begin to believe different. God is not a genie in a bottle. He's not a lucky rabbit's foot. We were just in Vegas. He's not a slot machine. <laughs> I wasn't gambling, by the way, in Vegas. I was preaching out there. He's not a slot machine. You know, pull a lever. Come on, maybe we're going to hit the jackpot today when we pray. No, the, the, the more we understand who we are as his children, the righteous are bold as what? Can't you see Jesus when he was speaking to the storm, get a little bit of lion eyes going on? There was no timidity in him. There was no fear in him. And he commanded the storm to peace be still. And it was still. Can't you see the little lion's eyes come across Jesus whenever he would command the devil, shut up and get out of here. And he says, you, me, us, we are as bold as what? The righteous are as bold as a lion. But it comes from a renewing our mind to who we are as children of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm bold as a lion. Now I'm going to skip through some of this uh, on the bottom of page 3, I believe, on your notes. Ephesians 3.12, it says, In whom, because of our faith in Him, we dare to have boldness. In whom, because of our faith in Him, we dare to have boldness, courage, and confidence, a free access and unreserved approach to God without freedom and without fear. We dare to have boldness. We have a right to come into the presence of God, and we should be courageous and confident and bold because Jesus gave us access to the presence of our Heavenly Father. Say it, I'm bold as a lion. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assault of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning, notice this, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures, find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, well time help coming just when we need it. How does God tell us to approach him? Boldly. How does he tell us to approach him? He doesn't tell us to beg. He doesn't tell us to crawl in there like we're a worm. He doesn't tell us to walk, come in there. You know, God, if you can, you know, I know you're really busy and you got a lot going on, but could you help me? Could you help me? Could, could you get the devil off my back? He doesn't tell us to do that. He says, I gave you my name. You do something about the devil. He says, my grace is sufficient. You do something about the devil. You open your mouth. See, when you are bold and you understand you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's your kidneys that you need to open your mouth and speak to your kidneys. Kidneys, you work in Jesus' name. It's your organs. It's your blood. It's your bone. It's your mind. It's your vision. It's your ears. It's your feet. Speak like you have the authority that Jesus gave us to speak. I can't always do it for you, and you can't always do it for me. 
there comes a time that we've got to take ownership of our responsibility in Christ Jesus. When Heather and I first got together, I could pray and things would happen for her. But as she grew, God expected her to take her position of right standing with God and for her to take her dominion and authority. It's the same way with our kids. When they were little, we would pray, things happen. As they get older, they know more word than most adults do that they have to take responsibility for their own life, to pray over their own body, to pray over their own finances. See, the righteous are as bold as a lion. The more understanding I have that I'm made right, not because of myself, but because of Jesus, then I'm going to deal with things differently than whenever I don't understand I'm the righteousness of God. Symptoms of a person that doesn't know that they're righteous is they're always talking about their sin. They're always talking about their failures. I'm just so unworthy. I'm just, I'm just an old sinner. Well, then get saved. That's the answer. Get saved. Once you're saved, you're no longer an old sinner. And you hear this. This is, I mean, this is broad. We're in every different type of church. This is very broad. People are always talking about how unworthy. You can't be bold and focusing on your unworthiness. Okay, let's settle it again. All of us are a work in progress. All of us have messed up. All of us have had sinful behavior. All of us have been dumb in the past. But because of Jesus, we have a right to approach God, listen to this, even while you're still dealing with your junk, <laughs> you can still come into the presence of God because of Jesus, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus. And you know what you do when you fall down? You get right back up and you come right back into the presence of God. And you know what you do when you make a real dumb decision? You get right back up and you come right back into the presence of God and you keep focusing on the blood of Jesus. You keep focusing on the righteousness of Jesus that he gave us. I'm not here because I deserve it in myself. I'm here because of Jesus. And God saw that I deserved it. So he sent Jesus and he wants me to approach him. How? Boldly. Boldly, boldly, boldly. Symptoms of a person who doesn't understand righteousness is they're timid, they're weak, they're ineffective, they're very religious, and they're always talking about their sin. Don't write me any ugly letters. Let's just get it right. Let's just come up. Right? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I've got to think, am I thinking like I'm the righteousness of God? Am I believing like I'm the righteousness of God? Am I speaking like I'm the righteousness of God? Do I really believe that I have access to the creator of heaven and earth? Because when I do, there's going to be some boldness that comes up on the inside of me. The righteous are bold as what? As a lion. Bold as a lion. Say it, bold as a lion. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. He says, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Is that me? If you're a born again child of God, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, that's me. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, those who are upright and right standing with God. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. So his eyes are upon me and his ears are open unto me. And he goes on to say, but the face of the Lord is against those who practice evil, to oppose them, frustrate them, and defeat them. Say, say this, the eyes of the Lord are upon me. His ears are open to me when I approach him boldly. Boldness is a faith word. The only thing that moves God is not need. The only thing that moves God is faith. It's not our begging. It's not our crying. Now, Jesus is moved with the feelings of our infirmity, but he does not show up because we're begging. He shows up because even with tears running down your face, you still realize I belong in the presence of God. God's eyes are open unto me. His ears are open unto me. And even with my hurt and pain and all my mess I'm dealing with, God, I belong here because of Jesus. And you start magnifying the blood of Jesus. You start magnifying the goodness of God. You start magnifying that Jesus already defeated Satan. And because he defeated Satan, you put Satan in his place and you use his name. You have his spirit. You belong here and somehow some way I win in Jesus name and you come out of your time with boldness see the righteous are as bold as a lion so I've always got to be holding myself accountable 
See, it doesn't do you any good if I get up here and I pray with timidity. I preach with timidity. If I just don't, well, you never know what God's going to do. You know, sometime he will, sometime he won't. You know, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says maybe, and sometimes he says, forget it, buddy. Where's the scripture for that? He doesn't say, he, he, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, the promises of God in him are always yes, and in him, amen. So an indicator that I'm understanding my right standing with God is I'm starting to have some boldness come from the inside out. When an obstacle of life come, I don't just lay down and just think, well, this just must be the will of God. No, I rise up and I remember he gave me the name that is above every name. Satan, you bow your knee in Jesus' name. Body, you line up in Jesus' name. Resources, you come to me in Jesus' name. Things you begin to change in Jesus' name. Because you're beginning, we're beginning to understand I'm in right standing with God and Jesus gave me his spirit. Jesus gave me his name. Jesus shed his blood and because of that it doesn't matter what has happened in my past with all the sin I'm coming to God under the blood of Jesus cleansed by the blood of Jesus and I belong in the presence of God and God says you come to me boldly and I'll give you help you come to me boldly say it boldly 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 so you see the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous his ears are open unto their cry Hebrews chapter 4, he says, approach him with boldness. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. An earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman, person, pause, is that me? If you've believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are made right. You are righteous, not because of your actions, but because of what you believe. When you believe in Jesus, you're made right. Say it, I'm made right. What is a person that is in right standing with God? What, how do they pray? What do they look like? What, how do they talk? John chapter 11. You remember the story? Lazarus, Mary, Martha. Man, they, had, they just loved Jesus. Jesus loved them. They send word to Jesus. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus dies. Jesus doesn't go for another couple of days after they sent for him. This is very important because sometimes it's easy to be moved by feelings. Especially when your family begins to pull on your heartstrings. I remember my granddad, I, I was in Colorado and I was pastoring a church up there and um, my granddad, he had had cancer and everything and he was going through the process. And remember, we don't, I don't have authority in your sphere of influence and you don't have authority in my sphere of influence unless we have a direct word from the Lord or we're led by the Spirit of God in that certain situation. So my family's calling, you got to get here. He's dying. He's, you know, he's on the sickbed. And, and so I prayed about it. And I was just like, I, I'm not supposed to go. Prayed over him. Sure enough, he'd come back. And he lived another couple of months. They called again. He's going. You got to come. And then felt released to go and everything. And he went on to heaven. Thank the Lord for that. But, but why don't I tell you that? Because when we focus more on feelings than we do on God's Word, we, we pull ourselves out of our place of dominion and authority. And if you really love your family, you will not be moved by their feelings. You'll still, even in the middle of the battle, and it's, I'm not saying it's easy, it's a process to learn this and get to that place where we still want to listen to what is God saying in here because it doesn't do me any good to cry and bawl and squall and to get into maybe doubt and unbelief along with them. It's only going to bring results when I hear the voice of God and I'm bold as what? Bold as a lion. So here you have Jesus. He didn't go for another two days and he shows up. Mary and Martha say, Jesus, if you would have been here, both of them can tell they were dealing with it a little bit in their heart. Jesus, if you'd have been here, you know, he wouldn't have died. But Jesus says, now didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? 
And he goes on, verse 41, John eleven forty one. Then they took away. So Jesus goes to the, where he was at and, you know, he tells them, okay, we're going to take away the stone. And they say, oh, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. You know, I bet it's a little rank in there. That's Johnson paraphrase. I bet it's thinky in there, you know. So verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. Now we're looking at how a righteous man prays. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus, just like we just read in 1 Peter, just like we read in Hebrews chapter 4, just like we read in Ephesians 3, Jesus knew that he was in right standing with God. Jesus knew that the Father's eyes were over him and his ears were open unto his prayer and Jesus said, the only reason I'm saying this, the only reason I'm praying this is for their sake. Can, can you see a righteous man, Jesus? Do you think he got to the tomb? Guys, roll, roll the stone away. Hey, Lazarus, you in there? Hey, Lazarus, apologize that you had to stay in there for four days. Lazarus, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Lazarus. Look at Martha and Mary, the religious people that are around. Am I, am I praying okay? Is everybody, we want to take a vote to make sure I'm praying all, all right on this? Everybody okay? No, no. What, 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 did, what did a righteous man do? When they rolled away the stone, he didn't timidly approach the situation. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? Lazarus came forth. See, he knew he was righteous, and because of his righteousness, he was bold as a lion. When you and I understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we begin to speak to our body parts, our finances, every area of our life with some boldness, because we know we have dominion and authority upon this earth. So when I'm understanding and I'm growing and renewing my mind in my right standing with God, there's going to be some boldness that comes from the inside out because the righteous are bold as a lion. Say it, bold as a lion. John 14, you can see most assuredly, this is Jesus talking. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now we can, this for time's sake, I want you to skip down um, page seven, I believe it is on your notes. And, and there's certain things in the Bible that we don't pray for. Like, we don't pray for God to increase our faith. Jesus tells us, Romans 12, 3, when we come into the family of God, we're all dealt the measure of faith. Romans 10, 17 says, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. James 2, 17 to 20 says, okay, faith is action. If I truly believe God, there's going to be some action with what I say I believe. So if I want to increase my faith on finances, I hear the word of God on finances. If I want to increase my faith on healing, I hear the word of God on healing. If I want to increase my faith, faith on wisdom. I hear the word of God on wisdom. So he doesn't tell us to pray for faith. He says, you have faith. Now increase your faith by what you hear and by what you do. That's a short summarized teaching on faith. But when it comes to boldness, he wants us to ask for boldness. We have a right to come into the presence of God because of Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I want you to look at Acts chapter four. When you read the book of Acts, now, let's ask ourselves, okay, do I have the same Spirit of God in me that they had in them in the book of Acts? And the answer is yes. If I'm a born-again child of God, the same Holy Spirit. Say it, the same Holy Spirit. Do I have the same name of Jesus that they, was given to them by Jesus? Do I have that same powerful name in my life? And the answer is yes. Do I have the same commission on my life that they had upon their life? Whenever Jesus resurrected from the dead, he says, all power and authority has been given unto me. Now I give it unto you. Now you go and preach the gospel and you go and disciple and lay hands on the sick and cast out devils and speak of the other tongue. And he same commission, same name, same spirit. Say, that's me. Acts chapter 4. You can read this in your own time. Acts chapter 3. Peter, John, 
They're coming to the gate called Beautiful. This man had been laid at the temple since birth. He's about 40 years old and he begs for alms. And Peter and John said, okay, I need you to look at me. Lion's eyes came over Peter and John. I can just see it. You know, they come now. What was interesting also is that Jesus passed by this guy for years and never did anything. I think that's very interesting. But that day, Peter and John, they were on their way up to temple at the hour of prayer. And this guy's begging for alms. And Peter and John, they says, I need you to look at me. He says, I don't have the silver and the gold that you're asking for. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you rise up and walk. Forty years old, he'd never been able to walk. He reached down and he picked him up by the right hand. And his bones and his feet were made whole, completely whole. So the religious people, they got upset. I mean, you want to tick some religious people off. I mean, you start operating in power and dominion and authority. And I hear this quite a bit. Well, who do you think you are? I think I'm a child of God. Well, you think you're acting like Jesus? Isn't that the goal? We're supposed to act like Jesus, be conformed into the image of Jesus. So who are we? We're children of God. Who are we? We're the righteousness of God. Who are we? We're forgiven. We're redeemed. We have his spirit. We have his name. We have his power. So they, they brought healing to this man. The religious people got ticked. They arrest him. They bring him before him and say, okay, guys, I, I know. I mean, these are the same people that crucified Jesus. I want you to picture the same people. Not only do you irritate religious people, you will irritate the devil. When you start operating in your dominion and authority and you understand you're the righteousness of God. So let's pick this up. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness, say it, boldness, of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. See, when Jesus showed up on the scene and he began to teach, all throughout the Gospels it says that they marveled at Jesus' teaching because he didn't teach like the scribes and the Pharisees. He didn't teach like the religious people who would get together and possibly teach that, okay, um, Dr. Doodad and Sister Bucketmouth, they got together and they think that this is the way that it happens. And then maybe God will do it sometimes and sometimes he don't. And God says maybe and yes and sometimes. No, no, when Jesus spoke... He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He anointed me to bring healing to the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. There was none of this maybe and oh, and I don't know if this is God sending the storm or the devil sending the storm or maybe God's trying to teach me something by putting this sickness. No, he said, you get out of here in Jesus name. Or he didn't use Jesus name. He gave us that name. But he would tell the devil, get out of here. There was no ands, ifs, buts, maybe, sometimes. No, when Jesus said something, it was with authority and dominion, and the people marveled. They had their mouth open. This is different than anything we've heard. Why did Peter and John have the same boldness? Because they had been with Jesus, and now they had the Spirit of Jesus in them, operating in His name. And these religious people, the same people that crucified Jesus, look at them and says, I can tell these guys, they're uneducated, but I can tell they've been with Jesus. Listen to what they continue to say, verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus, verse 29. Now, the, now, now this is so, so whenever they were told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus, they didn't go back to their group of people and start crying and begging God to bail them out and God, can you help me? God, I, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do. God, they said they're going to kill us. They said they're going to, they told us not to preach anymore. God, what do we do? No, this is how they approached it. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They weren't begging. They weren't timid. They weren't backing off. In other words, they're saying, okay, you're telling me not to do it. They weren't being rebellious. They were being rebellious against the devil. They were saying, okay, we're not backing off. We're going to get louder. We're going to get bolder. We're going to get more authoritative. We're going to, this Johnson paraphrase, we're going to shove it right up the devil's nose. So he said, Lord, 
Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Say it with boldness. With boldness, the righteous are as bold as a lion. They ask God, give us more boldness to do what we're called and created to do. And in verse 33, it says, and great grace came upon them all. And we've talked about great grace. If we operated in more power, just 10% more power than what we're operating in right now, our life would look different. If we were operating in 10% more wisdom than we're operating in right now, our life would look different. And they're praying for boldness, not so they could just go to church and feel better about themselves. They were praying for boldness that they were going to make a difference everywhere they went. They were going to develop their gifts with boldness. Say it, boldness. They were going to pray with boldness. Say it, boldness. They wanted things to change, but it was going to take boldness to bring change. You know, it takes boldness to look the devil right in the eyes and tell him to get out of here. It takes boldness to speak to sickness and command it to leave. It takes boldness to speak to a limp body and command life to come back into it. It takes boldness, boldness to be who you're called and created to be. You will not get there being timid. It takes boldness to prosper. It takes boldness to win. It takes boldness to overcome. And he says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I declare that there is a boldness rising up in the body of Christ around the world. And because of that boldness in Christ Jesus, we're going to see miracles. We're going to see things happen. We're going to see the power of God like we've never seen before in our life. Say it, boldness. Boldness. I want to pray over you. And we'll be dismissed. Father, I love you so much. And I'm thankful for how good you are. I'm thankful for the power of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us, that that just allows us to come into your presence. And I'm asking you the same way the disciples ask. I'm asking you for more boldness. Father, you know everything that we've dealt with, all the obstacles, all the problems, all the attacks of the enemy. And I'm asking you for more boldness. That, Father, we take our place in our spheres of influence. We take our place upon this earth and we think bold, we believe bold, we talk bold, we see bold, we live a bold life, all for the glory of God and that signs and wonders follow us whenever we act upon your word, all for your glory. Father, as people give, I expect a bold harvest to come back into them. I expect, Father, your presence to continue to fill our homes, to fill our businesses, to be a part of everything that we're doing. And devil, I let you know you are a defeated foe. I let you know you have no power and authority. I let you know you have to take your hands off of our resources, the buildings, the lands, the areas we're called to in the name that is above every name. And with all boldness, we will go everywhere we're called to go. We will do everything we're created to do, all for the glory of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Say it, boldness. Boldness. Boldness.